Welcome to the STEM Sync Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal McLean, amplifying unique life stories to encourage and motivate people of color with an interest in science, technology, engineering, and math. As a black female engineer, I found that a key resource that kept me encouraged along my education and career pursuits is something we often overlook and that is people. My hope is to leave listeners feeling empowered while gaining insight on endless opportunities along the STEM education and career pathway. Thanks for joining me today for a candid conversation as guests share their journeys and resources to help you reach beyond your untapped potential, connecting you to purpose. Now let's sing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the STEM Sync Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal McLean, bringing you resources to help you or someone you know flow through the science, technology, engineering, and math pipeline. And before we get into today's episode, Prototypes, as I like to call you all and my guests, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast for future episode notifications. All right. All right. So today I have the honor of introducing you to two dynamic Black women in STEM. These ladies are actually the reason I had to get out of my comfort zone and launch this podcast in the first place. And we are going to get real about what that even means. So I'd like to present to you Miss Erica Jefferson and Miss Augusta Uwamanzuna. Welcome, ladies. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. So, Erica, let's start with you. Why don't you please give listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. I had an interest in chemistry uh, in, in, in school as a young person and uh, was advised that a career path in chemical engineering was probably much more lucrative than one in chemistry. So uh, my degree is actually in chemistry and I've worked in a variety of industries, including oil and gas, manufacturing and different operations. And uh, for many years, I thought that's what I was going to do. I did end up going to get an MBA. Um, but as I like to say, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. And uh, somewhere along the way, eight years ago, I had the crazy idea to start this organization, reaching out to Black women in all parts of their careers, focused on science, engineering, technology, engineering, and math, and started what I thought was going to be a small organization of a few folks here local to Houston, Texas. And now we're looking at almost eight chapters around the country and uh, more than 2000 women. And so it's just been a phenomenal ride, you know, as someone who is solidly uh, in the introverted side uh, to be able to do all this and reach out to folks has just been amazing to me. And uh, I, I, I can't even tell you the incredible women that I've come across, including these two ladies here today. So it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited for Crystal. This is gonna be awesome. Thank you so much for joining us well, me today, us and having this conversation on this panel, um, really a sister girl conversation, because I know we're going to get very real and the formalities are going to go out the window eventually. Um, all right, Augusta, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Give us some insight. Sure. So similarly to Erica, I was exposed to science and chemistry uh, at a young age. And for me, my interest in chemistry led me to look at uh, hydration reactions in cement and concrete. And that was one of my biggest and earliest exposures to research. 
I spent um, my early years in high school uh, doing uh, cement research and thinking about how to, um, you know, improve things like offshore drilling, which led me to eventually study engineering in college. But this time I wanted to use my engineering skills to address health inequities and health disparities in our society. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to the present moment, um, I'm currently getting ready to begin MD-PhD training Mm. with the goal of becoming a physician scientist who is building equitable diagnostics to help underserved patient populations better manage their health. Um, And alongside that, exploring opportunities to also get into entrepreneurship. Um, I guess it wouldn't be accidental like Erica, but Mm -hmm. more um, intentional given her mentorship as uh, the current chief of staff and inaugural fellow of BeWise, the organization Erica uh, created about eight years ago. So yeah, I'm happy to be here today to talk more with both of you and yeah, share my story with the world. Okay, Augusta, Augusta got that speech down. You hear me? Down, honey. She has that speech all the way straight, ready for her future. But you know what? If you've already been in front of the camera since you were 16 years old, 16, 17 years old, the practice comes naturally, right? All right, so let's just go ahead and get into today. Let's get into today. I think it's best for us to kind of take a step back to how this even started, right? I met Erica or basically stalked Erica, okay? In no, up until November of 2021. And what happened is on that day, I actually found out I did not get a business grant opportunity. And for StemSync, I applied for it. And really the big part of it was more about the mentorship piece. They were offering, you know, specific for women of color to get into business, um, money, finance, you know, financing to help, technology and stuff. I just wanted somebody to mentor me. What happened is I received the rejection, okay, and that was all right. Joined her group on LinkedIn, the BeWise group. Erica, naturally like a good entrepreneur, sends me a message saying, we're having an event coming up, career fair, please, you know, think about applying. And I was like, ah, this is my way in here. So I sent her a message to thank you. I'll think about it. By the way, can you be, I need a mentor because I'm trying to do what you're doing in your space for your audience. And Erica, in her very candid way, within five minutes, actually responded and said, you know what? I have a better idea. Let me know when you have time to talk. And next thing you know, she and I were on the phone until actually for like over an hour. It had with the time difference, you know, it was nighttime, morning over there, nighttime here in Hawaii. And she literally said, I have a better idea. Come on board. Let me find out what you're trying to do. She flat out told me, I don't have time for a mentor, mentee. Mm -mm. Matter of fact, I don't even like the word mentor. That's what she said. That's what the woman said. Then she said, I only am mentoring one brilliant young lady, Augusta. But she said, you know what? I still want to help you out to launch into this because we need people like us who have STEM backgrounds look like us to launch into this entrepreneurship journey, whatever that looks like. And I'm still trying to figure out my path. But the interesting thing is, you know, the podcast was not the first thing that I wanted to go out. That's the first thing that Erica latched onto, right? Erica, what were you thinking that day when 
when you get this random message from somebody saying, I, I want you to be my mentor, what were you thinking? Well, I'll tell you what I tell Augusta a lot, and that's take the meeting, right? Take the meeting. I mean, I, I could have this tattooed on my arm. Take the meeting. So many wonderful things have happened for me personally, for BYs, and I'm sure Augusta as well, because someone reached out because it's hard, you know, for a lot of folks, not hard for me because I'll text you, email you, message you. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of folks, it's hard to, to take that first step and reach out to folks that they don't know and ask for help. And so many folks, um, you know, don't have time or don't reply back. And I don't think it's, you know, ill intent. I just mm -hmm. think you have to prioritize, right? right? And, and even me, like when I looked at who you were, you know, it wasn't, oh, I am just starting my career and I just want you to tell me what I should do with my life. Right. That I can't prioritize because we have so many other things that we're working on, but I, I want to help in that ecosystem. So that person can find someone uh, to connect with, but um, I saw something in, in your profile and, you know, you took the initiative to reach out and have something, right? A lot of people, they come up to you or reach out to you. They have, I don't know what to do, where to start. I'm like, I can't help you until you figure that out, right? That's a key thing that you've got to get done. But I also want to expand on, on your question and say, rejection is redirection. So okay. many times we think, oh, it didn't work. Oh my God, I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't for you. Nope. That wasn't for you because I can guarantee that whatever program that was, the mentors were not going to have the same journey, the same experiences that you've had in STEM mm -hmm. and could be able to address your issues and give you insight um, that you you so need. You're, you're kind of at a real critical point, right? Mm -hmm. You've got mm -hmm. the years of experience, you've got the advanced degree. Now it's trying to time to take crystal higher. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very small group of folks who probably mm -hmm. could do that. So that's how it works. God mm -hmm. said, nope, that's not the path because you probably wouldn't have even circled back to me that's if right. you had gotten that. Right. And that's so right. he said, no, this is what I want you to do. It, it may not be easy. It may not be what you anticipated, but right. this is what is going to take <laughs> you to where you need to be. So, Absolutely. you know, like I said, take the meeting and, uh, two thoughts, uh, rejection is redirection. Well, I appreciate that. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit more about BeWise. You just launching into BeWise because you called it accidental entrepreneurship, correct? I'm launching out based on your background and what you've already been through, and I'm leveraging your expertise in that. Let's think more about the day that you made the decision to actually establish BeWise. What was going on in your life at that time? What made you decide to just boldly stop working in industry, honestly, and to start your own pro program? I have to go way back okay. uh, before I made that decision. And uh, when I lived in Atlanta, I have a dear friend of mine uh, who uh, had an organization called the Dinner Club and al allowed uh, folks of a certain age to connect uh, and socialize all around the city. And so, as I mentioned, I'm an introvert. So I was just fascinating. I could just come and sit down and eat and connect with nice people. That sounds great to me. Right. So when I moved to Houston, something just spoke. And I remember telling somebody this, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a dinner club where I'm going to have an, a, a, a group where people can connect and socialize. 
um, focusing on people who are new to Houston. And so I did that. Didn't know how I was going to do it. Didn't know why. Really, I didn't know why. Why am I doing this? I'm an introvert. Why would I be putting myself out here? I'm not her. And I just said, I'm going to do it because I'm being led to do it. And after two years and 2000 members, I said, um, this is a lot of work and I need to be compensated for this work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so out of that, I looked around and like, where is the need, you know, for, for my previous organization that I, I created, there was a need. And so where is the next need? And as I looked around uh, professional women's groups and, and things uh, here in the city, there wasn't anything that addressed some of the challenges that we felt. And so I said, well, I started that thing. I could start this one. Right. And so it really was kind of like a passion project because I was still working mm -hmm. full-time doing that and just so many wonderful things wonderful people Augusta's one that you know came into my path that eventually I was like why are you still working in corporate job like mm -hmm. <laughs> it got it got to be to the point where it was harder to continue working the corporate job than it was to let go which is very difficult and say I'm going to trust what's going to happen because there's nothing out there even today uh, mm. similar to what we're doing as far as empowering and educating and exposing black women and also corporate partners uh, to this talent um, uh, demographic mm -hmm. and so the decision of I'm going to do it full-time really came after several years of running it and thinking why are you keep wanting to work for someone else doing work that's uninteresting to you that's not really going to have an impact mm -hmm. on anyone or anything mm -hmm. and just because you're fearful right mm. you know there's so many folks who were like this is a brilliant idea thank you for starting this but you're just like I think of Oliver Twist if you haven't seen that movie please sir can I have some more that, right you know, kept mm -hmm. going back <laughs> to, to mm -hmm. the people in, in corporation you know for more, more, more of the treatment that I talk about frequently on LinkedIn, mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. so I think of myself as a relatively smart person. I was like, hey, this is not smart. Like you have this over here that's thriving. And then over here, you're surviving. Right. And so we're going to have to make a, a decision. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that I did. And I, I advise folks, you know, when it's for you and you know it, it's, it's hard to in the midst of it have that feeling because it feels very unsure engineers and, and scientists are very yes. conservative people by nature. Yes, we are. You have to be, you can't be making rash decisions that may in, that impact people's safety and health. And so it's very point. common that we would be like, I can't quit. I can't, you know, do this. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really fight against that. And like, no, I believe based on my evidence and my data points that this is of need <laughs> and I'm just going to, I don't see how it's going to work. I don't have the end, mm. right? I haven't, haven't seen any other studies or any other uh, people doing something similar to tell me how to do it. Is this wrong? Is this right? Yeah. I'm just going to do it. I'll right. figure it out. Or as we say, I'm flying the plane as I'm uh, building it. Mm. And uh, what I've learned is a lot of people, that's the thing that was so funny. I know a lot of people don't, they're creating things. They don't know what they're doing either. That's, right. That's, that's crazy to even think about it that way, because from the outside looking to the person who's actually executing, it's like, oh, they, this is smooth. They got this thing going and it's a whole, you know, situation that's happening and occurring behind the, you know, closed doors or whatever have you. So, I mean, even listening to your story just brings me, it brings me anxiety. I'm like, how, how are you just launching out 
you know, and just relying on your technical expertise, like, well, I'm smart. I can figure this out <laughs> and just deciding to jump out you know, there. I got, I got to add right here. Okay. It seems unusual to us. Yeah. Oh. That's what white men do all the time. Oh, we already go. They on. have hardly any answers, <laughs> any experience. They just have confidence and maybe some connections. And that's it. That is it but somehow okay we have trained ourselves to be fearful and think i gotta have everything lined up i've got to know how to do everything perfectly i've got to have so much money saved up and i i told someone who's thinking about stepping out on their own i said when you're fearful because i was yeah when you're fearful like everything i was like saving money i was like i can't get those expensive cookies i gotta get these discount cookies because i save my money honey you tell me like right now you tell them exactly when right you're now. fearful you know whether from a religious standpoint i don't know what it is but when you're fearful you play small and that's your rewards right. are small that's true Ooh. when you say listen when i said listen i'm doing it i'm doing it i'm getting the oreos i'm getting the name brand cereal i'm getting all of that <laughs> So just go figure out how to pay for it uh, right. by hustling. So it's interesting to me because it sounds like it's, it was more of an entire life shifting change mentality, not only for this business, but just in how you operate. And you, you carry this on from where you were within your career to move forward, to launch into the, this space for BY. So let me ask this question. Was Augusta or someone like Augusta always something that you would have have imagined when you established BY? Did you feel that you were going to have a fellowship? Did you know that this was going to be something that was coming about? Because I'm trying to understand how did how, one, how did you and Augusta meet? How, you know, how did that connection happen? And then two, you know, was it something that maybe just kind of came up one time, one day, and then all of a sudden it just made sense? How did that come about? Well, I, I tell the story. Once I got serious about BYs, which was still very early on, um, I uh, attended. I would, made my mind up. I was going to go to this event called the United State of Women, and I told everybody I was going. It wasn't like a paid event or anything like that. But I'm like, I'm going. I'm getting out there. I'm, I'm going to meet folks. I'm doing mm -hmm. it in DC, no less. So I had to travel, pay for you know accommodations mm -hmm. and things. And almost the first person I met was Augusta. Now keep in mind, she's 17 years old and she is talking about something that I don't even know about. And I've worked in oil and gas many years. What is she talking about? Drilling mud? What are you, mm, <laughs> where are you okay. getting drilling mud from in high school? You're on some different plane, mm. right? You're doing some <laughs> different stuff, even right. at 17. And I could just see, but, and I, I'll tell you, it, it's her intelligence. And she knows I talk about her all the time but it's a combination of humbleness, grace, mm. because there are a lot of really smart people and okay. sometimes they're not very nice and they're not looking out for other folks or trying to help other folks, but she does. And she, and I, I sense that. So she became our very first, okay. our very first, in, well, it wasn't intern, but it was, I think a uh, student chapter leader, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Because I was like, thank you because I went back home and I made these business cards up for her she's just, oh. just brilliant when you meet folks like that that's right you, you don't let them go I would agree right? with and that so, but like I said there are a lot of smart people uh, in fact sometimes being really smart is a hindrance to being kind 
you know, sometimes you're like, I'm smart. I don't have to be nice. And so um, a lot of gems in this. Yeah. So she's all those things. And I'm telling you, we, we take small signs for granted because we're waiting for the burning bush. Right. And so, you know, in the last two years, BYS has had explosive growth. Mm -hmm. And it really got to a point where I was like, I can't do all this work by myself. A perfect situation where it was an opportunity at BYS and she was looking for something else. And she has just been like, I know my blood pressure probably has gone down by 10 points since she started because she's just helped in so many ways. Yeah, let's let Augusta jump in here because how does that make you feel, one, when Erica talks so highly of you? What exactly was it like for you to meet Erica and, and you know, just working with her on BYS? I think I've heard Erica tell, you know, this similar story and speak very highly of me many times at mm-hmm. this point in our relationship. And each time it feels brand new in the sense that I just feel very happy and humble and, um, you know, of course, agree with the way that she describes me um, as someone who is very ambitious, someone who's uh, achieved um, a lot and, you know, actually was at the United States of Women after attending the White House Science Fair um, that President Obama hosts Mm -hmm. and being invited to come and exhibit my research, I, you know, became immersed in the limelight. And despite this immersion, still sometimes felt out of place and maybe still, still sometimes felt that my confidence was a bit shaky. Mm. So when I hear Erica describe me in this way, it, I mean, is very affirming, like first and foremost, Mm -hmm. and also makes me happy to know that just being me, um, just exploring what I want, whether it's cement and concrete and oil well cementing um, or, um, you know, diagnostics that I'm able to give off this aura Um, And it's only an aura that I feel comes from God, like I'm a spiritual person. So I believe that the way in which I impact people and the way in which I engage with people is something that is a gift from God. So it Mm -hmm. makes me really happy to to hear Erica um, describe me in this way and just hear her perspective. Mm -hmm. I remember meeting Erica that day among other people and of course thought she was really cool and the work that she was doing was really cool. And at that point in my career, I was just being introduced into why something like Black women in science and engineering is so, so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, having grown up in Elmont, New York and, and attended Elmont High School, a school that had 95% or more Black students, oh, wow. um, I was very much immersed in a world that was different from what I was being exposed to during my senior year of high school at the White House Science Fair, at the Mm -hmm. Intel, now Regeneron Science Talent Search, where I was the only Black person and Black woman out of 40 finalists competing at the nation's oldest and most prestigious high school science competition. These experiences were very eye-opening because I didn't really deep 
the inequities that exist within science and engineering. Mm -hmm. um, so it was only when I got to Harvard, mm, which is a to... very different Listen, experience. That was, that was going to be, I was going to go there because I Googled you the other day, right? I was like, <laughs> I've been on the line with Augusta for a while. We've been talking back and forth, planning some things. And I Googled you the other day and there were just so many articles about you. <laughs> you know, the hot Long Island high school senior who was accepted into all eight Ivy League schools. And I was just like, wait a minute, I'm on, I've been on this line with greatness. <laughs> I mean, I knew, but I ain't know. Okay. What was it like being a black woman at Harvard mm -hmm. in the engineering curriculum? We just heard mm -hmm. the honorable Katanji Brown Jackson share her experience. Mm -hmm. about the woman passing her on the sidewalk at Harvard saying persevere. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? It all happened very fast, that transition from going to the spring of my senior year. Well, honestly, starting in January of 2020, January 6th, I believe, was when everything just started taking off for me. And like, you know, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was traveling and I was like literally experiencing so much and being in a being immersed in a world that was different. Mm. Um, so when I got to Harvard, I think I was still riding that wave and Makes sense. immediately still immediately felt a culture shock. Um, I knew that I was going to be in the sciences. I believe I applied as a biochemistry major to Harvard and knew that I was probably going to explore medicine, but it wasn't until the end of a life sciences course I was taking at Harvard that I decided to pursue engineering. Mm -hmm. And I just remember during that first mm -hmm. semester, just really questioning my abilities and mm. really wondering how Harvard was very determined to accept students from all different types of backgrounds and all different types of schooling, but not adequately support their transition into the environment of Harvard, especially within science and math. And I just remember talking to some friends um, who were also black, but went to private school or boarding school okay. and then kind of sharing how their own transition to boarding school was kind of what I was experiencing at that moment. And then really just encouraging me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that like, um, you know, Katanji, really finding or you know, relying on a community of people, whether it's just passerbyers okay. or whether it's like the workers in the dining hall who, mm. you know, at Harvard were predominantly, um, you know, minorities, and just those people cheering you on, and of course, like a community that you make of people who can resonate with your background and with That's your so upbringing. So that is really what helped me mentally and emotionally transition to Harvard and feel the resolve to pursue something like engineering. Mm -hmm. I 
didn't think twice about it. I said, mm -hmm. okay, I like this research. Like I know how to do research. I did concrete engineering and civil engineering. I could of course do bioengineering. Right. The like, background last... <laughs> matches. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I just, I just did it. Mm -hmm. And I was quite tunnel vision with it, you know, throughout my time at Harvard. But then I really began to understand why BY Mm. was important. Okay. Why that work was important. Why I needed to be involved in Harvard's, you know, organization for black um, students who are in science and engineering. And during this time, this is when my relationship with Erica Jefferson began to blossom because I would reach out to her, um, you know, for advice and mentorship, but also to see how we could amplify black women in STEM on Harvard's campus, mm. because I realized how important it was for me, at least to just have, know that I had this community, despite being one of few, mm -hmm. one of two black women actually to graduate in my class with a bachelor of science in engineering. One of two? Um, one of two. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on, prototypes. I had to cut the episode right there. Did you hear what Augusta said? One of two? Did you have the same reaction as I did when you heard that number? Well, tune in next week as we continue to uncover more of Erica and Augusta's stories. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you feel equipped and encouraged to stay the course along your STEM journey. I encourage you to become part of the conversation to help cultivate a network of support. Feel free to submit questions and topics with an email to podcast at stemsync.net or messaging stemsync via Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for the link up and sync up prototypes. Until next time.